Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugged your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Dave original podcast. This podcast contains bad language and sexual content. Uh, I'm not warning you, I'm boasting. Enjoy yourselves. Jordan Brooks, look at what you've done. I'm Jordan Brooks, comedian and writer. I make a great first impression and a great last impression, but in between, I am a monster. This week, it's Fern Brady, who's appeared on shows like Live at the Apollo, Comedians Giving Lectures, and British as Folk, alongside Ivo Graham and Darren Harriet. I talked to her about growing up with a moustache. No, it's because of your happy moustache. The frankly absurd number of jobs she's done. Fifty, fifty jobs. And the supplementary money spinner that eventually resulted in her death. I think he got jealous of the other feeders. So, Fern. Jordan. Did you have a good birth? Um, no, I don't think so because oh. they haven't told me about it, but I know that I didn't get breastfed and my mum thought I was evil and stuff, so I don't think the birth was good. Whoa, well, whoa, like, whoa. The they... limited information I've got. Why would they give you limited information on something that sounds <laughs> really serious? <laughs> I just get a feeling it wasn't good. My dad said that my mum wanted to throw me out a window. <laughs> <laughs> what a revelation. Did it make sense for you in terms of, like, the way that your mum treated you and stuff? Or Yeah, I've got a really funny picture of her wearing sunglasses indoors and I'm, mm. she's holding me in her lap like this, like, disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> like, take, like taking a bin length. bag out. I think it's on my Instagram. So I think birth was bad. I think I came out vaginally... Like, definitely. 
Uh-huh. Do you think that we don't remember our birth because it's too much to remember seeing your mum's fanny? So you think we selectively block it out? I think that the reason we don't remember our birth was because it, it's just too much to get over. Because that's the first thing. That's the first thing you see as well. Yeah. It's like I'm not processing that. I'm not I'm not having that as my first memory. No way. No, thank you. I'll, I'll wait until yeah. Christmas. And your mum, she poos on your head as well, probably. <laughs> Yeah, pooing is common, right? It's quite a common... I think it's pretty much everyone. I'd, I think Adam Kay said that in his uh, that book about being a doctor, uh, that he um, p- pretty much everyone does a shit when they're given ni- birth. 99% shit. How could you not poo if you were yeah. pushing that hard? I've always wondered that. People have this idea of water births being this lovely thing, but apparently mm. they have to get... Uh, the poo's out with a fish in there. Right, so you've got like the midwife who's waiting, poised for the baby to pop out, and then you've yeah, got then the someone else with a net. Like <laughs> you've a got goldfish. You've got... <laughs> <laughs> it's right. horrendous. But you had none of that. You, you. But it was like a normal, clean birth. But your mum just no. I you don't. Your I don't you? know. Uh, she uh, definitely no. She definitely did. Yeah. Because they thought I was possessed and stuff. Did they take you to like an exorcist and stuff? No, just church a lot. But they did. Uh, they did. They thought I was like evil in that because <laughs> I was crying. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> did they not know that that's what babies are supposed to do? No, I look as Catholics. It's, uh, they were. They were just like <laughs> young Catholics. <laughs> so you came out. You were crying, and they went. This is this is bad news. Yeah, my dad's just been telling me about it recently. That they thought I was evil. <laughs> Why has he told you only now though? What's the what's the reason? He, he did say the, I saw him the other week and he said, "Oh, I maybe shouldn't have told you that." <laughs> <laughs> maybe shouldn't tell you about that thing that I thought you were the, the manifestation of the devil. I was really shocked that I didn't get breastfed because I'm so tall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I always thought people that don't get breastfed are like sort of small and wizened. Yeah. And um, that people who do get breastfed are really big and healthy. Yeah. But then my boyfriend's quite little. He honestly got breastfed till he was like three or something. But he's a genius. <laughs> right, right. He's still, yeah. He's, he's, he's still like dining out on mummy's milk. So No, honestly, what... like, I do think that's why he's clever. What age are you supposed to not? I mean, I'm sure my mum didn't breastfeed me that long, but three seems reasonable. No. I don't no. know. I'm imagining what I was like when I was three. Oh, I was talking. I think once you start speaking, you can't... Like, if you can ask for it verbally, then you, you're not allowed it. I think that should be the rule. Yeah. I would like to breastfeed, though, because it gives you abs, apparently. Is it? <laughs> um, because you... <laughs> it makes your uh, stomach contract... And it helps your stomach go flat again after. I mean, say I could just not give birth um, and go to the yeah, gym. Yeah, go to the gym. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, it might be cheap, um, cheaper to get a fitness first membership than to raise an active. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you, your parents were like scared of you. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? So that that must have that must have like that must have fucked your head a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, because I'd have meltdowns and things, so they they thought it was because I was evil. I I don't know what 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 much more I could say on that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So you went to you went to school and stuff. What were you like as a as a child at school? What were you like? I'd really quiet. Um, I thought school was going to go well because I got put on in this special class when I was five for like geniuses. Me and this other boy, Mark. Just, but then on, like, just the you and one first, other boy. 
we were both supposed to be geniuses, except he was actually a genius. Whereas with me, I could read because I, I think I'd been watching Sesame Street a lot or something. Yeah. So they they thought that I was cleverer than I was, and then on the first day of genius class, <laughs> they like asked me to list the vowel, what's a vowel and what's a consonant, and then I like shit myself in my chair, and then, <laughs> then they, they kicked me out of the class. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just this kid well, left they did, on his own. They didn't, they didn't kick me out, but they didn't invite me back to genius class. They put me back into normal class. Oh, they didn't even say anything. They just quietly ushered you back into yeah. It was presumably awful. into an presumably into a different class entirely. They were like, oh, no, she has to go in the shit class. class. <laughs> she has to go um, in the, in the I, class where the other people shut themselves. The other guy that was a genius, he ended up working in a bookies. Good with numbers. Okay, I don't know what your primary school was like. Because schools in Britain really vary wildly in, like, how mm. good they are. There was this boy in our primary school uh, who kept... He just kept, like, pooing in different places around the school. Oh. And um, one day uh, one day at PE... So when you're at primary school, you used to get changed for PE in the classroom. Boys would go in one classroom and girls would go in another. You would mm. get changed into your little gym shoes, then go down to the hall... And um, this boy, he said um, during PE, he was like, "Can I, can I go to the toilet, please?" And then he excused himself. But then he went up to where the girls' clothes were, and then they found him pooing in this girl's shoe. Oh my god! Because he liked her. Because he liked her. Oh, that's fine then. Yeah. I'm just figuring out how to express his feelings. That's normal. He did a poo in a plant pot another time. Who was that to impress? We don't know, <laughs> but they had an assembly about it. <laughs> <laughs> but did they have to make it really general? Like, let's talk about pooing no. in places where we shouldn't. Or was it, did they target him? No, it was like a standout assembly of my childhood. It was incredible. Basically, the headmistress was like beetroot because she was so angry. Mm. And she was like, whoever is defecating in the plant pots in the primary two classroom. And obviously, if you say that to, like, a load of little primary school kids, that's like Frankie Boyle comedy to the children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like Roy Chubby Brown coming to town. Oh, people were, like, shaking and crying, laughing at it. (laughs) And she she was getting angrier and angrier. It was amazing. There was a kid at our school who, um, he shat in the costume box. (laughs) And they had, to, and then, and then they they had to cancel that evening's performance of Oliver. Oh my god! Yeah. He got well, suspended. that just reminds me. School plays. Did you do them? Were you in them? Yeah, but they what? were really odd. What were you doing, Samuel Beckett? For no, I wish we would do an Easter play every year. So uh, we were ten, and um, sorry, I just can't, I can't even believe this. So someone had to play Jesus on the cross, then someone had to play Barabbas. Uh, the, that's the guy that was on the other side of the cross. Yeah. Wasn't it? And then there was a guy on the other side. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, this little Ned, um, basically this wee boy was like singing, I'll wash my hands of it, I'll let you choose. Mm. And then the music teacher would play this... Um, <laughs> She was just pounding jazz chords on the piano and then the chorus came and we all had to sing Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, the king of the Jews. Uh, that was the chorus. 
And that was that was our Easter play. Oh, what you did it every year? You dusted off that script every year. No, no. So we did that one year, and then another year. There's only so many variations you can do of that story, though. I mean, they could have done a gentler one for children rather than have us like. Yeah, they could have done like. That. Well, they could have done like Chicago one year or something. What was high school like for you? Horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> what were you like at school? Were you quite quite good academically? Very, very good academically, mm. but very bad socially. Right. And I dressed in a really odd way. And I didn't seem to have any awareness of it. Like, yeah. I just thought I was quite jazzy. So I couldn't work out why everyone was, like, pecking on me. But I had big, big glasses, right? Okay. And um, a sort of, like, fringe bow haircut. Um... And I would do things like turn up to the school disco wearing, like, a man's pink silk shirt. Um, and I didn't know why everyone at school was calling me hippie. Um, and I thought it might be because, um, like, my mum would give me quite hippie-ish foods in my lunchbox mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, weird Greek foods in my lunchbox. Just, like, all, all different world foods in my yeah. lunchbox. And then one day I was saying to one of the boys at school, why why do you call me a hippie? Is it because of my clothes? And he said, no, it's because of your hippie moustache. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm brutal. Did you have friends at school? My best friend at primary school had a... Um, she was in the remedial class. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, like, bullied me as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really... I was really brainy, but she would just bully me all the time. She would be like, Fern has a moustache, look at her moustache. What, and then you just and, and then you'd go home and have tea at each other's houses? Oh, I'd have to go and sit at her house while she just like ate sweets and didn't give me any and laughed at my moustache. It was terrible. Um, so that was one of my best friends. And then my other best friend um, was a pathological liar who used to mm. steal my stuff. There was one day where I was like, is that my copy of the bell jar? And she was like, no. And I said, but it says too fair and love mum. And she was like, no, I wrote that in there. <laughs> I thought that was what you supposed to write in all of them. And then one day we were in school assembly and we were just like whispering to each other the way school girls do. And she said, oh, you know, my, bro- my big brother's um, getting counselling at the moment. And I went, Why? And she said, well, you have to get counselling after you're abducted by aliens. <laughs> and uh, I said, all right. Uh, and then I went home and I told my mum, and my mum was like, Fern, remember I've spoke to you before about how some people tell lies. Because mm. uh, I would just believe anything people told me. So you believe? So you believed her? Jordan, I would have believed anything. Like, I remember I was doing a piano competition one time because I was, like, a piano geek. Right. And one of the one of the boys at it told me that pigs have four-hour orgasms. And uh, I just believed them. <laughs> but if you said that to me right now, I'd be Could like... Could be true. Yeah that, 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 yeah, that checks out. I'm sure that's absolutely correct. Maybe it is true. Maybe it is true. People would just lie to me for fun. So, like, people would tell me that boys fancied me and... I thought that doesn't seem believable, given I've got big glasses and a moustache. But maybe they see like that I've got a pure heart or whatever, or they think that I'm like a nice person. <laughs> these aren't fun lies, though. These aren't these aren't fun lines. Like pigs have four-hour orgasms. These are like heartbreaking lies. It happens all the time. So that was my two best pals at school. I had another friend <laughs> at primary school 
So I used to be a lot more like obviously autistic when I was a kid. Like I couldn't, right. I couldn't really speak at primary school at times. My first best friend, I didn't know if she was a boy or a girl. And not in the way that now people are non-binary or whatever. More, I just couldn't take in what was going on mm-hmm. in school. Um, and I couldn't understand any of what she was saying to me either. Because I used to not understand what people were saying. Did that affect the way that you made friends in your your adult life? Did it make you suspicious of people and stuff? Uh, I think I'm a bit better at making friends now. But like, mm. I, I used to think at school, you just have to be friends with whoever picks you to be their friend. Right. Because actually the best friend that I've got now, I've been friends with the same person since high school. I just made pals with her because she kept like hassling me. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, she kept coming over to talk to me. So you're only friends with her because she wants to be friends with you? Yeah, yeah. People <laughs> used to have to f- sort of force their friendship on me. <laughs> For me, the maddest thing about school was that, that knowing that my teachers were definitely, like, unemployable in any other area. <laughs> um, and I kept trying to tell my parents about it and they, like, didn't believe me. You're going home and going, seriously, these people are bad. They're bad at their job. Yeah, yeah. So I moved schools and for sixth year, I transferred myself to another school. Didn't have anything to do with my parents. What, because the other school was just so bad? Jordan, my teachers were drunk. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know they were drunk? I'd, because they were drunk. They were <laughs> like, cracking open a can of white lightning in front of you. Okay, the wor- this is the worst case that I had. The way schools work in Scotland, you get like inspirational teachers, like really amazing, inspiring teachers. They go into private schools, right? And then you get like pretty good teachers, clever people that just want to help underprivileged kids. They go to the Protestant schools. Then you get people that just believe in Jesus and transubstantiation. (laughs) And as long as they believe in that, they go into a Catholic school. That's how the Scottish schooling system works. All they care about is that your teacher's a Catholic. (laughs) That's the only qualification you need. So there was one time, like my teacher, this is wild. He used to stop what he was doing in class. He would like have a shout at us. And then his eyes would like roll back in his head. He was this Neanderthal guy. And then he would get a flask and take a sip from it. And then he would stop rolling his eyes in his head. Now, I was reading a lot of Irvin Welsh at the time. So I think he either had some kind of drug or alcohol, like withdrawal seizures. Because every time he took a sip from the flask, it would go away. Oh, my God. And he was also spelling things wrong. Like he would spell all the... Uh, spell punishment exercises wrong. I don't know what they were called at your school. Was it called lines? Uh, what, just write in? When you get in trouble, you get a punishment exercise. Oh, yeah, you, you just write lines. Like... Yeah, 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 yeah. I got one called Why I Lose Homework and Not Money. <laughs> uh... At what age did you start going, hang on a minute? I mean, I guess like when you got shunted out of genius class you probably thought oh maybe not then i mean from that point on it was always like why are you not living up to your child's genius <laughs> thing <laughs> that we've been told you are uh, um uh. but a lot of kids at my school were really like quite daft so i always felt clever but then when i went yeah. to uni i felt stupid yeah at my school there was like maybe a handful of kids who did really really well in their gcse's and really worked hard and then all went to uni and crumbled because actually they weren't as smart as the school had made them feel like they were because they stood out amongst yeah. a, a, a sea of absolute shit houses. Oh my god, yeah. 
that happened to me, I was like, oh, I'm so dumb. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could I could barely do a bibliography on a uni essay. And I was like, <laughs> why is everyone in my school like to me about being clever? Yeah, yeah. So what, what uni did you go to? Edinburgh. And also everyone everyone at Edinburgh would be saying, oh, we're just here because we're Oxford and Cambridge rejects. And I thought, I can't believe that, like, you're bottoming out as my pinnacle of achievement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. to them, going to Edinburgh's second best. It's like consolation. What did you study there? Yeah, I started off doing Arabic with Islamic history. And then pretty early on, I was like, Fuck this. I don't want to go to the Middle East. What? 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 You studied Arabic? No, I started off doing... It was Arabic, Persian and Islamic history. Right. Someone should have given me some guidance at school and said, why do you want to study this? <laughs> but, but everyone was just like, yeah, do that. Yeah, cool. Live your dreams. Um, what got you interested in languages? I just really liked languages. Well, you know, because I, I found out I was autistic there. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that explains the language thing a lot right um uh, i just loved learning languages it was I, I like moved schools and stuff so i could do um advanced french it was really weird no way. and now i can't speak any languages <laughs> no, i can't speak anything <laughs> i think i can speak italian when i'm drunk but because uh, a lot of my boyfriend's pals are italian but he says right. that i'm just speaking English in an Italian accent. <laughs> You've done quite a few jobs, haven't you? Yeah, I think I've had 50, 50 jobs. 50 last jobs? Time I counted. I'd say so, yeah. Because How- I used to get sacked after, like, I mean, I once left a job after eight hours. So what's the strangest job that you did then? The strangest? Mm. I worked for, we had a family friend who made... Something similar to homeopathic remedies. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was 14, I started working for him at these things called psychic fairs, or uh, sometimes yeah. they're called health fairs. And they would be in, like, in the new town in Edinburgh in a big hall, yeah. like on George Street or something. Uh, and you'd just be working with all these maniacs, like people that could read auras, people that thought you had an inner child and an inner demon. Do you believe in that sort of stuff? No, but I really like being around those sorts of people. Mm, like, yeah, same. I just, I just like people that have found another way to express their neuroses. Well, it's people looking for, like, a belief system, isn't it? It's people looking for a way to see the world. I be- well, actually, I believe in tarot c- cards. I just got some tarot cards. Aren't they? I went from being, like, deeply cynical to a complete tarot convert by the end of the 20 minutes i was like oh that makes God. sense yeah, yeah i even took a photo of what she'd laid out for me because it really made so <gasps> much sense yeah oh I was my like, God. couldn't believe it it's just intuitive so you're into it yeah i do believe in psychics i like there's a lot of psychics that are frauds and shit mm. but um one of my best friends from uni who is like this wealthy heiress american she was like a top latin scholar at our uni She's now an astrologer that lives in the desert in Arizona. Our family are overjoyed. <laughs> um, and she she did like this in-depth horoscope as a birthday present for me. Mm. And it was fucking mental. It was creepy. Do you know what she did? She said the first line of my book proposal. And she was like, 
you're going to make this connection with weird women somehow. And she was like, and it's going to be big. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was doing a book about autism and women. And then she said that me and my boyfriend had been married in a past life. And I fell out with him the other night because he's like refusing to believe it. And I was like, this is so insulting that you're not believing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives us more of a sense of a connection. Why are you denying that? Hopefully in the next life you'll be less cynical. Have you visited like uh, what they called like yeah yeah like Psychics. a psychic reading yeah you've have you gone and seen I, a lot of them are shit um, although my mum went to one when I was when I was little mm. and she, the woman was like oh I don't normally mention children but she don't let like, that baby know your breasts she no but she was like I'm not even going to mention your sons because they're obviously going to do nothing your daughter is going to go on to do something that's unusual for women. Mm. So then I was really gutted because I thought I was going to be a fireman for years because mm-hmm. I just couldn't think what job it would be. Was fireman the first thing you wanted to do? No, because the psychic said I was going to do something that was unusual for a woman. Right. I thought it meant that I was going to have to be a fireman. Uh, okay. I wasn't really sure what else was unusual for women. What was the first thing you wanted to do when you were growing up? Uh, be a pop star. I think. Oh, really? I wanted to do that, and then I wanted to... Because I used to write my own uh, love songs <laughs> when I was, like, nine. No way. Did you record and, uh, any of them? No, but I remember my parents, like, crying, laughing when I sang them. <laughs> <laughs> Being like, people laugh at love. Is this the reaction? Yeah, it was It was dead heartful. Um, so I wanted to do that, and then for a good long while, I wanted to be a psychiatrist. And, mm. I mean, I really got what I wanted because I'm now around mentally ill people every day in comedy. Like. Yep. You learn a lot. You learn a lot about the human brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to be a psychiatrist for ages and then I just wanted to do something to do with writing. You got interested in writing and then that's what led you into doing comedy, right? Yeah, because um, I was writing for the student newspaper. Mm. But I was, always, I was always doing silly things. Like, I said, oh, we should do an article on hangover cures, but we all have to get really, really drunk to test them out. And mm. then someone has to go to a sauna to cure it, and someone has to do go to the gym to cure it, and someone has to do this. But then I ended up splitting my chin open from leapfrogging over my friend onto the pavement, and then the article never got done. <laughs> and then things like... I'd persuade a local salon to like wax my fanny bald for free and then get a photographer to come along and take pictures of my face in pain and just stupid things, embarrassing this sounds, things. This sounds great. This sounds like uh, what Vice is known for. Well, I mean, we were a good pay. We got like everyone went on to journalism apart mm. from me. <laughs> <laughs> and I could I could have done it. I just dropped out to do comedy. Where did you do like your first gig and stuff? Where, where did you start? My very very first gig was Old mm. Rope. Uh, but it, it was old rope that they used to run at the Fringe. But unfortunately, the magazine I worked for had just given her a two-star review. And before I did the gig, apparently they were outside flying and saying, come and see this journalist be shit at comedy. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> Did you have a nice time? Well, I was rubbish, but I was like really buzzing. Mm. Um, but then the guy I was going out with at the time was like, I don't think you should do that again. So then I waited... I waited for like a year and I started like emailing different gigs in Edinburgh and secretly booking them in mm. and just didn't tell the guy I was seeing and then we uh, broke up and I just and then I just did loads of comedy. 
I think it's really good to do comedy in a breakup because you're um you've got a lot more drive to humiliate yourself, I think. Yeah, you're vulnerable, but it's like a vulnerability that you can harness. So I did I did about four months in Edinburgh. Mm. Just between graduating and moving away. And then I went to Sheffield. Then I went through to Manchester, back and forth to Manchester to do gigs. You started in 2010? Yeah. It's been like a cr- like crazy fast for you, hasn't it, in terms of stuff happening? I mean, it probably doesn't feel like it when you're at, when it's actually happening. Mm. You must go, wow, what the hell? Well, no, I, I got some stuff too early, but I remember feeling like, yeah, I should be getting this stuff, which mm. is ridiculous, because really you should, you should get things as late as possible when you're a yeah. fully formed... Comedian, awesome. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> is, it, is it true that you developed insanely rock hard abs by offering out your breasts to babies that weren't yours? Yeah, after watching the documentary Breastfeeding My Boyfriend in 2022, Mm. I found that if you just get a man to suckle on you for three months and you're consistent with it and diligent, then you will make milk. And that's how I made my own milk without having a baby. It's determination from the the person who's sucking that produces the milk yeah for real that's how you make milk you suck you hard just enough. have to guess yeah for three months so for the first three months it's nothing there's no, nothing coming out other than a bit of blood no and, and then obviously like people it's it was inconvenient for work and things like that i kind of had to take a back seat from work because people were like why is there a little irish man hanging off your tit <laughs> i tried to wear didn't know you were doing baggy. a double act now i'm not <laughs> i know People thought it was like my deformed tiny twin. <laughs> <laughs> Hiding him under a sheet. I know. I wore I wore maternity wear to try and cover it. Cover him up. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and then any time the sucking noises were too loud, I'd just go la 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 and talk over it. That's unsustainable, though, right? You so you had to you had to eventually take a break from performing and focus full time on breastfeeding adult men. Yes, yes, um, but uh, because of comedy, the good thing about comedy was that. I already had a good contact list of people that I thought would buy up the breast milk, mm. so I didn't have to try very hard to get a good list of customers. I always like replied to even the strangest people on my Instagram. I would always reply to them, and that really paid dividends when it came to the yeah. breast milk thing to mm-hmm. narrowing down the client base that I wanted. You'd already made those contacts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, you're you're really into tarot and stuff. You, you went and had a tarot reading, and it told you how you were going to die. What did it What did it tell you? Mm. They laid down a card that was death, and then and then one of the clarifier cards was a picture of a, of an obsessive comedy fan. And you were like, I didn't even know that was part of a tarot pack. And they were like, Yeah, we had to draw it especially. So you you managed to live to a ripe old age of fifty four. Mm. How, how how did you manage it? Uh... Well, that's no age at all. <laughs> the way that I got killed was a guy that was all coming to my gigs for years and years yeah. um, killed me. But the thing is, is when you're doing comedy for a long time, those people that come to your gigs over and over again, they start off being a creepy stalker. Then when you don't see them at gigs, you're like, oh, Richard's not here. By the time I was being killed... Mm by the man that murdered me, it didn't seem as frightening as I'd always thought it would be. Because it was a familiar face? Yes, I always knew it was going to... It was as familiar as family murdering you. And I think that's the nice thing about doing comedy. Yeah, well, they do say that uh, most, you know, you're mostly killed by people you know. Oh, of course. Most people can't be bothered to murder you. So it it was an obsessive fan who'd been following you for years, but you knew it was coming. You had an idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What were the signs? Were there sharpening knives on the front row and stuff? Uh, the drawings, the drawings, the drawings, the drawings of me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, come in to different shows all over the country, uh, asking to have pictures of my feet. Do you think when Richard murdered you, he wanted he wanted a bit of that fame? Like, do you think it was it was for fame purposes, or do you think it was a sort of obsessive love that had gone too far? Um, I think he got jealous of the other feeders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think he wanted to be the only one. Mm. Um, it was almost like sibling rivalry. Mm. Um, so I think it was something to do with that. I'd always prioritised like profit over maybe my own best interests and in this case Mm. it became the thing that killed me because I just wanted to sell my milk to too many men Mm. and you don't take into account that they have feelings and for them maybe it's not it goes beyond a fetish yeah well they feel a a a connection to you and you obviously also feel a slight albeit warped maternal connection to them yeah, there was undoubtedly a connection. As soon as they started feeding them the milk, all their boring Twitter replies got funnier. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a connection and there what it did pay off. <laughs> so you knew when it happened, this makes sense. Yeah, I did. I did. Where did your uh, funeral take place? In um, 
Catford and where I live. In Catford. I never got to move back to Scotland. I said it for so many years mm. that I was going to move back. And then not only did I get buried in London, I got buried in Catford. Yeah. Do they even have a? Do they even have an official graveyard? Do they just sort of bury people where they die in Catford? They have a graveyard, but people poo next to my grave. It's awful. That's that's horrific. Why do they do that? Not anything personal to me. Right. Oh, okay. Because uh, it's Catford. Right. I mean, they put under the they put under the Christmas tree in Catford. It's just people's way of expressing love. It's just it gets com- it gets complicated. It gets warped, doesn't it? But it's it means well. Yeah. It comes from a good place. It wasn't so bad being buried. It wasn't that bad being buried in London because mm. it meant that I was in a more central location for people to visit my grave. And it was a mix mm. uh, of the weird guys, the, mm. the breastfeeding guys and stuff. But then also just um, young women would come to the grave mm. uh, and they would get into sort of turf wars over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was fights because... People were arguing over how to mark my death respectfully because all the breastfeeding guys were making replicas of my boobs mm. in flowers and then the women wanted to do it more in a way that, that respected my previous work, which was a lot, a lot more dignified. The ladies wanted, wanted your breasts replicated in statue form and uh, the men wanted them to be actually functioning, working, milk-producing <laughs> sex toys. It was a little bit odd of, of those men to sneak into the mortuary and take a mould of your breasts, though, when you were lying there. Cold oh, as ice. no! Yeah. I really want to talk about necrophilia. Do you know, I don't know how I would feel about people doing that to me. I just don't know. Would you be annoyed if someone did that to you? Uh, would it depend if it was gay or straight sex? I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> once, you've, uh, once you're dead, it's fair game. Do what you want. Do what you want with the body. Chop it up. Eat it, fuck it. There's just sweet nothings to it. I don't mind. Enjoy yourself. Just tuck in, boys or girls. Yeah. Would you? Would you? Would you be? Would you be upset? It would depend on who was doing it. If it was a celebrity uh, having sex with my dead body, it was like Rylan. Oh, he seems nice. Yeah. If it was Rylan, uh, I wouldn't mind. That's the thing. So he's always It's always like some creepy electrician hanging mm. around in the basement of the hospital. Yeah. If it was like Channing Tatum, you'd be like, "All right, yeah, do do your worst." <laughs> How would you like to be remembered? I would love to have a legacy like George Michael, because George Michael died, and then everyone was like. Uh, by the way, he was secretly giving money to charity all the time. Mm. He was always working at homeless shelters and things like that. Uh, so I keep meaning to do that, and then I just don't do it. <laughs> That's what I want my legacy to be. You'd like to be remembered as as someone who wanted to be like George Michael. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> secretly altruistic. It's so secret that you didn't actually do anything. You just kept it to yourself. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fern Brady, look at what you've done. That was Fern Brady, gone but not forgotten, particularly by her legion of weird fans who mistook punchlines for come-ons. 
Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to nose around a comedian's house, take their stuff and see how much money you can make by selling it? No, that's a pretty niche thing, to be honest. A bit creepy, really. But that's the premise of Dave's brand new comedy podcast, Hard Sell, with me, Josh Jones. And me, Darren Harrier. We're going to travel the country, visiting the homes of different comedians, chatting about their spending habits before grabbing one of their favourite possessions and giving ourselves one week to try and sell it for charity in a competition to see who can raise the most money. It's a right laugh, as we get to meet amazing funny people like Kima Bob, Joel Domit, Rhea Lena, Ivo Graham, Josh Pugh and lots more. But also sort of like an incredibly stressful cheese dream where we're trying to shift what are essentially stolen goods against the clock. <laughs> it's bonkers. Hard Sell with Josh Jones. And Darren Harrier. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.